0: Welcome to the Sunday Evening Podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Burgess Hill. This message is by Clive Urquhart. Right, now I've got a really, really simple message for you tonight. So I'm uh, just going to grab a couple of chairs. Some of you are thinking, oh, I've heard this message. And some of you might have heard bits of it, but uh, maybe some of you haven't. And uh, we're going to look at two chairs primarily, which represent two ways of living, okay? Okay. But we're also gonna have a third chair, so you guys are now in the front row, okay? Is that all right? Um, and we'll come to that one in a minute, all right? Now, this first chair is how most people in the world are living their lives at the moment, okay? This one is how about, I don't know how many, but it's probably 800 million, around a billion people are living their lives like this in some way or other. Most are here, okay? And then out of the billion or so that are living this life quite a few might be kind of going from here to here here to here here to here here to here here here, depending on what's going on in their life and how they're responding to what this life means so would you like to know what these two lives are you would okay would anybody else apart from karen like to know what these two lives are or shall i just carry on talking generically and you have to guess Okay, so this one, this life here is how most people live. So this life is when you are not in relationship with God. So you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus, okay? That's this life here. This one is when you do know God, okay? And we'll explain what this is all about and what this is all about in a minute and where this one comes in, okay? But I'm really going to focus on these two this evening. Now, it's quite a statement to make that in the whole world, there is only two ways you can live your life. One is here, outside of a relationship with God, where you don't know God personally. And the other way you can live your life is in relationship with God. So here, this covers anything from... Uh, Another religion that is outside of Christianity, in any other religion, there is no personal relationship with God. Every other religion on the planet says that you have to do something to make yourself good enough to be accepted by the God of that religion. And so every other religion or every other faith on the planet Says that you have to attain some kind of godliness or you have to live in a certain way to a certain set of rules and regulations. You have to perform in a certain way to make yourself good enough to be accepted by the God of that faith or of that religion. And we'll see the difference between other faiths and Christianity and what the Bible talks about in a few moments. Now, many people in, in, in the world, in life, don't believe in any form of God. They're living their lives saying, well, I don't believe in anything outside of what I can see. So I'm living within the visible reality of life, and, and I'm choosing my own destiny. I'm choosing the way I want to live. But what most people don't realise is that many people are living their life based on maybe how they were raised and the paradigms, the thinking, the lifestyle, the philosophies, the belief system of their parents or their parent or the situation that they grew up in. Many are influenced by the culture that we live in, the pressures of society, the, where society says you must live like this or to be acceptable you have to attain the other or if you're going to kind of get ahead in life, then you have to make sure that you do this, this and this. And, and we don't realise when we live here outside of a relationship with God, how much the world and its system or its philosophies or culture... In terms of when I say culture, I don't just mean a national culture, you know, of a certain race or or colour or language. In our nation, this nation, we have many cultures within our nation. We do have a, a very strong culture. Uh, that says you 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 know you need to live in a certain way you need to wear certain things you need to achieve certain goals and and that forms your identity that gives you your security and so many people are living with a pressure in their lives to form an identity for f- to form a persona of who they want to be <coughs> excuse me they live in a certain way because they they want people to see them in a certain way and many don't realize they're living under the pressure of a system that the world has or a culture that the world has if you're going to be acceptable you've got to do this if you're going to be whatever then you've got to achieve this that and the other okay and, and many of us live outside of a relationship with god okay now god never intended us to live outside of a relationship with him god's intention when he created mankind a few thousand years back When he created mankind, his intention was for us as men and women, as humans, to be in relationship with him and to know him. It was never his heart, never his intention for us to be separated or separate from him. Now, just to go back right back to the beginning, because it's always good to kind of set the whole context of where life began. When God created Adam and Eve, he created them in relationship with Him and so life began for mankind in the context of relationship with the Creator, with God but when He created mankind, He gave mankind a free will to choose what they wanted and how they wanted to live. And so God knows that in a relationship of love because that's the relationship that God had with Adam and Eve because God's nature is love, He is love, His nature is to love and and the nature of love is to give. And so if there's a relationship of love it can't be based on control or manipulation or a set of rules and regulations. Relationship is one of of give and receiving. It's one of love. So love gives and love receives. And so God gave mankind a a, a free will to choose. But if you're going to give something a free will to choose, then they need to be able to have a choice as to what they're going to choose. So there were two trees in in the Garden of Eden. One was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and one was called the tree of life. And and God said, you can eat any of the trees in the garden. You can enjoy everything that I've created, the context I've given you and the space I've given you to live in. But there's only one thing, just don't eat from that tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And they were like, cool. How many of you know in life, when you're told not to do something, there can sometimes be a, hmm, what's that all about? Now, Adam and Eve, or uh, Eve initially was deceived, as the Bible talks about a serpent, the devil came along and said, hey, you, you can eat of that. God's just, you know, doesn't want you to know the things that He knows. And ultimately, why did God have an, this other tree there? Because there was good and evil at that point already. Because the devil had already been thrown. Well, he wasn't the devil then, but there was an, an angel leading the worship in heaven that had been thrown out of heaven because he said, "I want every, everybody in heaven to worship me, not God." And so he was thrown out of heaven. So the devil was roaming around on the earth, and and the devil wanted to separate. Relationship that Adam and Eve had with God because man had replaced the relationship that. Lucifer, as he was called in, in heaven, had with God. And so God threw him out because of the pride and, and wanting to be worshipped himself. And because mankind was now in relationship with God, the, the devil, now roaming on earth, was like, I don't want mankind to know God. I want to separate them out and destroy that relationship so that any future people that are born... From this original Adam and Eve, they're always going to be separated from God because if I'm not going to have a relationship with God anymore, nobody else is. And that's that's what happened right back at the beginning, a few thousand years ago. And so God's intention was never there to be separation, but in a relationship with love, there has to be free will. And in that free will, they have to have an option to choose. And and the devil came along, deceived them. They made a choice, a decision. We're going to eat the fruit from this tree. That act of independence separated them from God and subsequently then set mankind on a course that was now separated from God, but that was never God's intention, never God's heart. So what did God do then to restore and make it possible for mankind to come back to Him? If His nature is to love, then He's always going to want to give. God is holy. Anything that is not holy cannot be in relationship with someone that is holy. Every other religion says, because most religions talk about Holiness in some way or perfection or finding a place of total peace and, and nirvana or whatever phrase you want to use, with, either within yourself or somewhere in the atmosphere or somewhere or other. And so every other faith and religion says that you have to try and attain something in order to be good enough for God. But God knew that if He's holy and we're not, then something had to happen where God had to come and meet us where we are rather than us trying to get to a God who is holy which is impossible. Every other faith says you have to achieve something to be good enough whereas God says you'll never reach me in your own strength and effort. The Bible says that all have sinned and fall short of glo- of God's grief. They fall short of who God is. God knew that so he says right so I'm going to come and I'm going to Bridge the gap between me and between mankind because his nature is to love and to give so therefore in order for us who now are guilty of something called sin, which is not a popular word in our culture is it if you if you talk about sin in cultures like people nobody even us in the room none of us like to be told there might be something wrong in your life. anybody like being told that? Now, the amazing thing about the Bible, about the gospel, God's good news story to mankind, he doesn't start with the problem. He starts with himself. He says, hey, he doesn't rock up and say, hey, you're a sinner. Hey, you're not good enough. He says, hey, there's loads of stuff wrong with you. God doesn't point the finger and start there. How does God start? He starts and he says, hey, I want to give you something. I want to give you who I am. I want to, he actually says, I want to give you my kingdom. Now, most people in the world is like, what on earth does that mean? You know, they might not understand that. But basically, what does God say to us? He says, I want to give you something. I want to give you who I am. I want you to come into relationship with me, but I want to give you myself. Now, most people don't hear that. I don't know, people in the room here, maybe you, you don't know Jesus tonight, but maybe you've never heard somebody say, I've never heard Christians say, God wants to give you himself. Most of the time I'm, I've met Christians that say, um, "Oh, I'm right, you're wrong. There's something wrong with you. You're a sinner. Or they start with a negative, but God never starts with a negative. Because God's not negative. God's always positive. And he says, I want to give you something. But in order to receive my goodness and my life and who I am, then you need to give me something in return. Because what I want to do, I want to give you fully who I am, my life, And I want you to give me fully your life. But if he's holy, and as mankind, we're not, then what needs to take place? Everybody is born, in the Bible it says, with a sinful nature. Is this all right tonight? It's pretty ABC Christianity, okay? But that's where we want to start, right? We're getting a congregation going. And we want to help people really find Jesus and find out who he is and what he's done for us. Okay, So everybody's born, it talks about in the Bible, with a sin nature. What does that mean? It means you naturally sin. What does that mean? You naturally act independently from God. So our lives are independent from God when we're first born and we grow up like that. And, uh, and we grow up wanting to do our thing. This is my life and I want to do with it whatever I want because that's what the sin nature does. It says I am the centre of my life and I am the one who's going to live my life out. And, and that's, that's fine because God's given us free will to choose how we want to live the life that we have. But God's intention was never us to try and find our own way separated from Him. It was always to be in relationship with Him. So if we're born with a sin nature and we're born separated from God and we can't reach God in and of ourselves, how does God then reach us and how does God change what's going on in us so that we can come into relationship with him and actually what God originally intended for mankind to be in relationship with him can be restored in our lives or in any person's life. So he sent Jesus. Why did he send Jesus? Why did Jesus have to come? Well, when somebody's a sinner or when somebody's outside of relationship with God, when we are guilty, if we can put it that way, of sin, then... In order to be forgiven, that sin and that guilt and that separation has to be dealt with in some way or other. And so in order to be forgiven, in order to come into relationship with Jesus, someone had to take that guilt and that separation on themselves so that the way could be opened up for us as mankind to then come into relationship with God. And that's where Jesus comes in. And so Jesus came, as the Bible talks about, as a perfect sacrifice. Because if if somebody's never sinned, and then they're going to take somebody else's place who has sinned, who is guilty, that seems pretty unfair. But in order for there to be forgiveness... Somebody has to take the pain and the guilt and the the sin that we have lived out in our lives upon themselves. And that's what Jesus did when he came and he hung on the cross. He said to the Father, God, the Father, he said, I'll take the sin, the pain, the punishment that we, you and I, deserve as people. And I'll take that upon myself and I'll bridge the gap between mankind and God the Father. And I'll take all of that on myself and I'll become sin." The Bible says he became sin he became guilty on our behalf and when he did that he actually took every sickness every ailment everything that can hinder us in our lives he took all of that upon himself and he hung there on the cross in absolute agony how many of you know that stuff that we go through in life can disfigure us on the inside a lot of people grow up in a lot of pain difficult circumstances Challenges, rejection, isolation, abuse, verbally, mentally, physically, sexually. There's a lot of stuff that goes on in life. Broken relationships, hurt, pain, grief. Some people feel like they're victims of what they've been through because I've never done, I I, I never, it's because of the environment I grew up in. I'm a victim of that environment and then that scars people, that affects people and and then they start living in a certain way to try and deal with the pain and deal with what is going on. So they try and substitute the pain in some other way, whether they use drugs or whether they get into alcohol, whether they get into relationships, whether they get into gambling. They they try and find a place of fulfilment or a place of ease the pain or a get out clause even if it's just for an hour or two to get out of the pain that they're living in or or whatever's going on in their life and life disfigures people bends people out of shape one of the things uh, we got two grandchildren And uh, we got married when we were 12 and uh, our our, our kids got... (laughs) We got two grandkids. It's funny, we're grandparents, you know. And I'm called Grandpa, which makes me feel like 85 years old. And uh, we got these two... And they're two little girls and um, when the first one was born, they they live over in the States and um, uh, Jess, their mum, she's American, she's from there. And when Nolan, the first one, was born, she was only a month old. And... Jess said, "Oh, I'm taking her to the chiropractor," and we were like, "She's only a month old. I mean, babies are like, you know, you can chuck them around and everything, and they sort of—they're like weebles, wobbles. They bounce down, come back up. They're—they're they're like flexible friends, aren't they? They're like just babies." And she said, "No, no, I'm taking her to the to the uh, chiropractor because um, what the the, the doctors said that." Um, because when, when a baby's born and the pressure and everything that they go through, and then when they're fed, they're lying one side eating one side, and then they lie the other side eating the other way. And because of the way their neck is and that, we don't realise. We just think because they're as supple as anything because they're so little, they're okay. And she said, oh, you know, the last few few days she hasn't been sleeping very well and a bit crotchety and everything. So she took her to the chiropractor who then just did whatever chiropractors do. Um, with babies, and and then, boom, she's sleeping fine, eating fine. Months later, takes to the chiropractor, same thing. And, and what the chiropractor was saying is people don't realise a lot of the things, symptoms they have in their bodies as they get older, backs are slightly out of alignment or they have pains in their neck or joint issue in their joints and lots of other stuff happens because when they were babies and and the first couple of years of their lives when they're growing and and taking shape, they weren't taken to the chiropractor just to make sure everything is straight and in line. So when you translate that, you know, and so Jess said, so I want my my kids to grow up, you know, with with healthy limbs and everything in place that something's not quite out of place or that they don't start getting pains in their back when they're teenagers or doing this, that and that because stuff was out of alignment as we grew up but we never realised. And when you translate that into our lives... Many people grow up in their lives with lots of stuff going on and they don't realise initially in the moments that they're going through what is going on on the inside that is shaping them and disfiguring them and causing them to think and live and make choices and relate to people in all sorts of different ways. And many people make choices out of pain, shame, guilt, rejection, isolation, intimidation, fear. And that was never God's intention. So, what does the Bible say in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28? Jesus said, What did he say? He said, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Now, the word rest in the Bible, the, the Hebrew word for rest is shalom. Now, in English, we have the word rest, four letter word. And when we say rest a lot of the time, we're like, I'm gonna go, I'm, I just need to rest for a minute. I just need to, you know, you're on a, I just need to sit down and just, oh, that's better. I just need to rest for a couple of minutes. Great, let's go again. Uh, I seem to be doing that more now than I used to when I was younger. But anyway, um, or other times, you say, I just need a rest. I just need to chill out. That's what we kind of think by rest. But the word shalom in in the Bible is much, much stronger than just, I need to relax for a minute. The word shalom means to have total well-being on the inside of you. It means to be totally at peace and at rest on the inside, mentally, emotionally, your well-being. It means to have nothing missing in your life. Nothing lacking in your life, nothing that has been lost in your life. And then there's a phrase that, that is used to describe shalom, and that is how it was meant to be. So when Jesus said to these, to who he was speaking to, and I want to give you rest, he wasn't just saying, I want to give you a brief moment of relief in the middle of what you're going through. What he was saying is I want to take you out of all the stuff and I want to bring you into a place of total well-being, of, of mental health and wholeness, emotional health and wholeness in your whole being, in your soul. Because what does he say? Come to me, Lord, weary and burdened, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Because over here, we're living with the yokes that are on our own lives, either choices we've made or things that have happened to us, the stuff of life. And some of that, those yokes are just the pressure of, of life. I've got to achieve, I've got to attain, I've got to get this, I've got to get the other, I've got to be seen to be this, seen to be that, seen to be the other. And there are yokes on our lives that are heavy that are weighing us down. Some of it is just jobs and life. Some of it is emotional. Some of it's mental. Some of it is the way we've been raised and things that have happened and choices we've made. And he says, take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give is light. I was, I was, I was listening to somebody recently who was speaking, and they gave this brilliant example of two oxen. I don't know if you've ever seen two oxen that are yoked together and they're pulling a plow, you know, and and plowing a field. And it's interesting what they said was, when you have a pair of oxen, you never have two oxen that are the same size. You always have one that is the older, stronger, more mature and, and knows what they're doing. And then you have a younger, smaller ox who is yoked to the stronger, mature, experienced ox. And the younger one doesn't have to take the weight and the strain of what they're pulling Because the older, bigger one is taking that and the younger one is actually learning from the older one as he's yoked with him and they're pulling the plow and the younger one is is brought into this relationship but not having to take the burden of what is being pulled. The older one is is pulling the burden and the weight and the younger one is yoked in. And so when Jesus gave this example, they would understand it then because they didn't have tractors and everything else back in the day, back then. They would have had just, you know, oxen and that's how they would plough a field. And so they would understand when he said... um, Now, I want you to be yoked to me because my yoke is easy and my burden is light. They knew they were like, ah, we get that. What he's saying is you don't have to go through life with your own yokes and your own burdens and trying to carry everything and be downtrodden and uh, you know weighed down. But actually you can come and I'm going to carry everything instead and take it off you so that you can have rest in your souls. You can be at peace. You can be healed. You can be whole. You can be mentally freed up from the oppression, the depression and the schizophrenia and all the stuff going on in your life. Emotionally, I'll take on all that weight and burden so that you're not living in emotional turmoil and pain and everything that you've been through. I'll take all of that so you can be freed from that and have rest in your emotions. You see, this is the nature of God. The nature of God is to give because His nature is love. And therefore, He says, I'm going to take all these weights, I'm going to take all these burdens. And most people never know that God wants to give because it, and God doesn't look at you and go, You're a sinner. He looks at people's lives and said, because of sin, because of the weight, because of the pain and everything God you've been through, and I know you're going to go through in life when you don't know me. I'm coming to bring you out of that. And the Bible even uses the word slave. We're a slave to sin. We don't even realise it, but we live under this thing that we can't get out of ourselves. And when you can't get out of something, you're a slave to it. So when you've got an addiction in your life, you become a slave to that addiction. When you've got pain and guilt and shame in your life, you become a slave to that thing. And a lot of that isn't because it's somebody's, your own fault. It's because of things that have happened. And it might be your response to try and deal with all of that. And the amazing thing about Jesus, he's saying here, you don't have to live with that. And I've got a way of getting, dealing with all of that so you can have shalom, relationship with me healing, wholeness, freedom in your life. So what did Jesus do? He hung there on a cross and he said, I'm going to take everything that is raiding your life, everything that is stripping away from your life, stealing from you, ruining, racking, fragmenting your life. I'm going to I take everything on me. And it says in the Bible that when Jesus hung on the cross, he was unrecognisable. You couldn't recognise him because of the way he'd been beaten and whipped and the amount of blood and the disfigurement. And what did that represent on the outside of what they could see? That represented what happens on the inside of us when we don't know God. Because on the outside, everything looks all right, doesn't it? A lot of the time. Most people in life, everything looks all right on the outside. And we live in a culture where you can get a lot of stuff on credit. Buy, get it now, pay later. Or just pay the minimum amount and just keep it going until, you know, well, hopefully the day won't come where it all falls apart. And we can look like on the outside a certain lifestyle, like makeup. It can cover up a lot of stuff. And we can cover a lot of stuff in our lives by... Creating an image or or buying this, buying that that makes everything. But actually underneath it all, I I reckon many people go to bed at night and they lie in bed at night and they look up the ceiling and I reckon a lot of times people go, "What, what am I doing here? What is this really all about? I don't know if people do that every night, but I reckon there's moments in most people's lives where they get into bed and they lie there and they can't go to sleep on any particular night and they're like, what is this all about? Why i am I'm chasing something? I don't know if I'm ever going to get there. And most people, when they chase the dream of their life and they reach certain things they think that are going to satisfy, they, they get them, they achieve them, they buy them, they have it in the bank or they're now living in whatever their dream was. But yet still something on the inside of them is like, oh, it didn't do what I thought it was going to do. I'm not satisfied in the way I thought I was going to. Because you know when you've got one thing you, you, you want, you then look for the next thing. How many of you ever search the internet for things you already own? Nobody does that, do they? You know, you've got your latest gadget or whatever you want and you've been searching the internet for a while. Oh, that's what I want, that's what I want. Yeah, 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 I've got a deal and you got it. Once you bought it, you don't spend the next six weeks looking at the same thing on the internet anymore, do you? Oh yeah, look at that. Because you've got it now. And now you've got it, it's like, yeah. And then you go on to the next thing. So what's the next thing that I want? Any, any, Anybody been there? Anybody... Or am I the only person that sometimes does that? That's our nature, right? But you see, what happens here when you live in a place of rest? You don't chase stuff. You don't chase stuff anymore because there's something on the inside of you that is fulfilled, is at rest, is at peace. Your perspective on life is completely different now than it was here. So Jesus wants every person to live in a place of rest in him. God's amazing. He doesn't treat us as we deserve. Most people think God is somebody unreachable. He's not interested. And even if he was, he'd probably condemn them forever. But God's heart is not to condemn people. It's to rescue, to reach and to bring them into relationship with him. That's his heart. That's his nature it's to give. But then when we're here, God wants us to live in a place of rest, is not he? Place of peace, place of trust. Because this is trust here. When we, when we live here, we're depending on ourselves in our own lives. We're outside of God. We don't know him. And we're saying, I can handle everything in life. And to, to move from here to there, you have to surrender everything. That's a mass, massive in our culture. And And people that want to, What does it mean to know God? The first step is to recognise, firstly, you need God. And then secondly, your response is, God, I need you. so, So in order to receive his life, I'm going to surrender my life. I'm going to give you everything. And in return, he gives you his everything. But then when we live here, we're not going to spend time looking at this tonight. But when you live here, you can also keep dipping in and out of this, this life here, this seat, if we can put it that way, where even as a Christian, in a relationship with God, where relationship with God is about trust, it's about faith, it's about believing. It's like any relationship. As you grow, you learn to trust somebody. You know who they are and, you, and how they think and how they're going to be and everything. That's what it's like with God as we get to know him. But then sometimes things happen in life and and we go, I can handle this, God. I know the creator. I know you were around a long time before I was. But in this situation, I can handle it. And, and sometimes what we end up doing is we end up sliding from a place of trust and rest in God to now a place of, it's okay, God, I can handle this one. And we start getting frustrated. We lose our peace and we get out of sorts or, or, or whatever's going on. And, and while we're doing that, God's sitting there going, what are you doing? I can sort that. And, and in these moments, we don't necessarily hear from God and, and know what God's saying because even if we heard God, we then try and do it in our own strength and effort and frustration and everything else. So God's on his throne here, you know, and he's always been on his throne. But for whatever reason, we think we can dethrone him for a minute and we think we can handle it. And, uh, and actually what's God doing? He's waiting for us to come back and say, God, oh, I, I just... Surrender afresh to you. I tried to do this on my own strength or, or you know, you, you, you're here, you have a diagnosis of some kind of illness or whatever and you go into fear and panic and whatever and God's saying, it's okay, just surrender everything back to me and receive your healing or whatever the scenario might be. So this is a place of rest, a place of trust, a place of total well-being. That's how God wants us to live. It's a moment-by-moment moment relationship. So when we talk about this, this is, not your quiet, this is not when you spend time with Jesus on your own. If you're a Christian here tonight, this is how you live 24-7. This is how he wants you to live. And it's a moment-by-moment moment relationship with God. Where a lot of the time in the day you're saying, God, I, I, I don't want to do that in my own strength and effort. I want to trust you. God's amazing amazing his nature is to give maybe we'll look at more of that another time but we'll focus on this so let's uh, let's all stand together shall we and we're just going to take a moment just to to pray many of you in the room you probably already have responded to God like this and you're saying well you know it's great but I don't live there anymore okay I'm, I'm wanting to live here all the time. Sometimes, yeah, I do a bit of this over here in my own strength. But maybe there are some people here tonight and and you, you're kind of hearing what we're talking about and you're thinking, wow, I'm I'm there in that chair in terms of talking about my life. And God loves you. His nature is to give and he wants to give you himself. He wants to give you his life. And if you don't know him this evening, you can actually, if you look at this chair now, what does this mean? You can actually turn to him because God is already looking at you. Not judging you and saying, you're a sinner, you're bad, you're not good enough, look at the state of you. God's looking at you with compassion, with love and he's reaching out to you saying, hey, I want to forgive you. I want to heal you. I want to restore you. I want, you, I want to bring you into a place of rest and relationship with me so that we're one together. Now that might be, what on earth does that mean? And we can help you with that uh, as you respond to him. But he's already looking at you. And as you turn towards him, he's ready. And as you, effectively, what you're doing when you talk to God, when you pray, saying, Jesus, I want to give my life to you. I want to surrender to you. I want to give you all the stuff in my life that's causing me pain, rejection, isolation, whatever it might be for you in your life. The things I've done that in the Bible are called sin, that I've done independently from you. I've done my own thing. I've just been whoever I've wanted to be. Jesus, I want to come to you and I want to ask you to forgive me for doing my own thing. But as well, I, I want to give you the pain. There's stuff that's happened in my life that I don't, I can't, it's not my fault. It's stuff that's just happened to me and I feel like a victim. God, I, I want to give you all of that. And if, if you can heal me, if you can do whatever you need to do, then I, I want that. I don't understand how it works. But this bloke at the front is saying some things that if that is for real, if that really is for real, some of it sounds too good to be true. But if it's really for real, then I want that. I want to know you. So let's just take a, a moment if you if you don't know Jesus and you you recognize that's where I am in my life at the moment I don't know him I'm separated from him and you're saying I want to respond to God tonight I want to take a first step just in your heart and your mind right now just in yourself just acknowledge that God I I I need you You might not understand everything we've been talking about but on the inside you do know at this moment wow I, I I I, need God I want to know him I don't get it all but I want to start a relationship I want to take a first step and you can do that tonight just simply first of all recognise your need of him and then simply it's called praying talking to God just Simply in your own words, you can say, God, I'm here. I need to be forgiven. I need to be healed. I need stuff to happen on the inside of me. And God, I give you me. I give you all the stuff right now. And as I'm standing here, God, I need you to give me your life instead. I need to be forgiven for all the stuff I've done wrong. And you know the amazing thing? The Bible says that when we ask God to forgive us, he is faithful and just to forgive us of all our sin. And then it says, and he cleanses us, cleans us from everything that is not right. He is amazing. Maybe there's other people here tonight and you've not really been walking with God for a while. And you're like, man, I need to come back. I need to realign my life with God. I know I've gone and sort of gone off and done my own thing and kind of gone my own merry way for a while and I need to man I need to come back to God Jesus I don't want to throw back in your face what you've done for me and what I know you've done actually I want to come back to you and and you know what you need to do you know how to pray and you can just simply respond to the Lord maybe others of us in the room we're in this other chair here we didn't really spend much time on it but where you recognize wow I've I've God, there's a situation in my life I'm trying to do it in my own strength I'm a bit frustrated, I'm a bit annoyed I haven't got a lot of I feel, you know, whatever Out of sorts with you I'm not at peace There's some stuff that's going on Just simply surrender that back to him now Say, Father, I don't want to try and do this in my own strength I just surrender afresh to you Come back to you In that area of my life I want it to be under your lordship Would you lead and guide me in this situation? I want to know your voice. I want to hear from you. I want to be led by you. So thank you, Jesus, just for that peace that I lost. Some of you just need to come back into a place of rest and peace that you know in certain ways you've lost for whatever reasons, but just come back right now. Some of you, there might be healing issues, and you just say, God, I I need to give you back this thing because I've started to worry I've started to become fearful of something and I don't want to live in that. And so I I, I just bring that fear to you. I ask you to forgive me for trusting myself and not you. And I come back to you, Father. I thank you for your peace. I thank you for your wholeness right now. I thank you for your healing grace right now. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I just thank you for what you're doing tonight. And that, Father, what we would take away from tonight is that there is no condemnation from you. That when we know you, when we have a relationship, the Bible says there is no condemnation in Christ. And that when we respond to you from a life that's been out of relationship with you, that you don't want to condemn us, you don't want to put us down. You actually want to rescue us out of this stuff and into who you are. So, if there is anybody here tonight, and you want to take that first step, and you're kind of somehow trying to put words to what's going on inside you, I'd love to talk with you afterwards. Just take a few minutes to talk with you, pray with you. Um, or if you're not, if you're a lady and you think, "Oh, I'd rather pray with a lady or talk to a lady," you can talk to Sharon here, who's leading the congregation with her husband Kevin. You can talk to my wife Jane. Um, that's fine, but don't don't leave tonight. Thinking, why, uh, you know, come and have a conversation. There's no pressure. If you just want to ask questions, I don't understand this. I, can, can you explain a bit what that bloke said? Just come and ask questions, and we're not going to pressure you or anything. Because you've got a free will. And God never, ever pressures anybody to respond to Him. He shows you who He is, and He says, hey, I'm here. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we just thank you for your heart for people, that this week we would live with your heart for people. We would see people how you do. We would not react this week to people. We would not get annoyed in any way, but we would live in a place of rest and trust, and a place where we give in the same way as you give. We love in the same way that... You love, so we praise your mighty name. Amen. Everybody said, Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.